Welcome back to Weeb Weekly, an anime podcast diving into all of the news you need to know from the weeby world and perhaps slightly beyond. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Reese, and I am joined as always by the man with a million figurines, Steve the Save Point Kiosk Player. Joe, it's going to be a great episode this time. Happy to be here and... Instead of figures, boy, I got some other presents in the mail instead of that. I got some soundtracks from Final Fantasy VII Remake and Fire Emblem Three Houses. Gotta upload them all to my computer. Can't wait. It's the only way I get through my day is either video game music or anime music. I am right there with you, man. So I've heard you speak a lot about... I've heard you sing the praises a lot about the Final Fantasy VII Remake soundtrack. And I've listened to a little bit of it. It is very, very excellent. The Three Houses soundtrack, very good as well. I haven't really heard any... I've never heard anything from it, and I don't really hear people talking about it very much. I guess I really like the Fire Emblem music, only because it usually has um, a really interesting theme. They change differently each and every game, but also each one has its own type of setting and type of theme of, like mood it's going for and for this one it's almost like persona-ish because you are at Garrick Mach you are doing the skills you're going to class I think you would love this game I know you haven't played a Fire Emblem game but I think Three Houses is gonna be the one for you sure but I of course I mean it's a series I have to start at the beginning I know they they just put out the original NES game on Switch and I feel like I have to play that one first no they're absolutely not related to each other at all the only thing you need to know probably is that throughout the series there's Manikeets which are the dragon people that you know, they can join your team and that there's always some type of fire emblem or stone. Same thing with like Final Fantasy. There's always crystals there that are guiding everyone's fate. But that's it. No. Enjoy it. You'd love it. I know. Someday. Someday when I'm willing to dive into some other long, long RPG that isn't a Persona or a Yakuza. Because that's all I play anymore, apparently. That's literally the only games I play. I jump back and forth, I play a Persona dancing game, and then I play a Yakuza game, and then I fire up my Vita to finish off the collection. Hey, those convenience stores that you're doing in Yakuza are not going to manage themselves. A customary moment of respect to, of course, the man who does stay slightly quiet as we record out of respect for our weeby tastes. He is the man who has absconded from anime, perhaps forever, in favor of Final Fantasy XIV. Still working on that new nickname. He is, of course, the forever unseen third character of this podcast, Alex. I gave him a nickname in our chat, calling him the fairy tale apologist, and he didn't like that because he never had to apologize for fairy tale. I just, <laughs> I just want to say for the record, he has a tattoo of fairy tale but has not finished the series yet he said he never apologizes for fairy tale i think that's what makes a true fan is someone who is willing to admit the faults of a series but he he knows how to separate the faults from the part of it that is important to him and i'll give him props for that he'll mark his body with fairy tale in in reverence of the of the parts that he knows that are good and then he also will say, like, yeah, Joe, I understand the fan service, not great in fairy tale. The 50 episodes, it's all you got to watch, and then you can bounce out. 
And then we start Eden Zero. <laughs> I want an Eden Zero tattoo on the left and the fairy tale tattoo on the right. Well, some housekeeping for you. Of course, a new episode of Weeb Weekly posts each and every Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern. You can find us on any possible podcasting streaming app that you have. Of course, that means Apple Podcasts. Of course, that means Spotify and really literally anything else. Uh, if you would, If you would be so kind, please download, subscribe, and leave us a nice little review so we can keep bringing you that weeby goodness each and every week. Oh, Steve, you said we weren't ever going back to the hidden dungeon only I can enter, but Steve, this was a week to revisit this freaking, I'm just going to say it, love this show. I hate this show so much, but as I said in the notes, it's a train wreck that I can't stop watching. Back at the beginning of this entire season of winter anime, I thought I was going to watch this show. And after watching the first episode, I was like, oh boy, this is not what I expected at all. Wish I could have read those notes a little bit closer and bounced out. It is essentially a harem show where the your main character, Noir, has to uh, do lewd acts, apparently, to upgrade his or to get life points for his skills um, that are incredibly godlike, essentially editing or doing anything in the world. You can you can do whatever. And I was like, oh, boy, I'm not sure if this is for me. But given that, you know, customarily every time you and me, Joe, we watch anime, we have a cooling off period after we watch something intensive like Attack on Titan. We got like we gotta we gotta bring it back down. We gotta cool off. Let's watch some type of silly show. And we're like, why not? Let's do the second episode of Only Dungeon Only I Can Enter in. Yeah, I say that now. We're already on episode at five, six. We're five episodes in. Yeah, you say this is it's funny you say this is our cooling off show because man, Steve, this show this show gets hot, baby. So yes, it started off I guess fairly innocently enough where the first episode, sure, there was like some, you know, jokingly titillating aspects. As you mentioned, our main character has to perform sexual acts essentially to get his life force back up. And in the first episode, all that really meant was like kissing the girl, um, touching her breasts, all fairly, you know, I guess fairly sort of like vanilla anime stuff sexual stuff um boy howdy has this show really just upped itself every episode where we've got uh one of the episodes where they're in class because they're at the hero academy and the reward for noir learning this new skill is for the teacher to rub her butt all over him and that of course gets his life force up we had the episode where noir wants to suck on his girl i guess his girlfriend kind of but his female best friend who he makes out with every morning in the woods he wants to suck on her ear and we get to see just a just detailed animation of a of the of his tongue going in his inner 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 ear and the saliva as he breaks away from that and man this show is it just continues to to up itself and i'll be honest i respect it for that if you're gonna be this kind of show commit to it and this show commits to it where was the memo for all animators to be like, everyone, we got to up our saliva game. <laughs> we got to animate this and make this incredibly detailed because this is not the only show which has done this. We've seen this also in Prisma Ilya 
And I've seen it actually in Horror Mia, which I'll talk a little bit later. I don't know if this was just a rebirth or some type of new technology that happened in 2019 that allowed animators to do the best they can with saliva. But boy, howdy, are they definitely putting it to work. Give the people what they want. So, yes, I won't say that this is I, I certainly won't say that this is the best show in the world, but I will say again, it commits to the joke and I'm never bored watching this show. I think I even mentioned that in the first episode because it is it is a very the world is this very sort of, you know, your sort of stereotypical fantasy type world. It's very similar to the world of, say, Kanasuba or, say, Don Machi or, say, any of your other sort of typical fantasy world isekai. And those shows want to maybe be there's all, like Kanasuba for sure. There's always like, you know, some sex sexual jokes in there for sure. There's some like rated R type jokes, but I feel like it never really fully commits to being to going the full Monty on those jokes. And I, I feel like Hidden Dungeon goes the full mile. And um, honestly, that that makes it more enticing to me to watch something like that. Joey, forgot one thing. You said this show is always exciting. You're never left bored. Only the opening, you forgot about that, is boring as shit. You can skip that every single time. How does a show this titillating have such a boring opening? I don't know. It's true. They totally should have gone more the route of an interspecies reviewers type opening, because that opening, phenomenal. Never skip the interspecies reviewers opening. And you even mentioned this show kind of giving you some interspecies reviewers vibes, of course. If you men- if you remember intrepid listeners, us talking about interspecies reviewers from last year in our end of 2020 anime shebang, that was a show where adventurers went to different brothels and reviewed different, uh, different brothel and sexual acts therein. And, uh, that one also definitely went the full Monty. That one goes farther than Hidden Dungeon for sure, but Hidden Dungeon is is getting there. I am surprised every episode at, at how far they are taking this. I am surprised Crunchyroll hasn't dropped this yet, but, you know, this thinking of Funimation with interspecies reviewers, it doesn't go to that level, but I, I guess I was waiting for maybe a shoe to drop. Maybe an episode in the future is going to cause them to say no more of this, but... I think sometimes it gets up there. I don't think we're ever on this show going to see full-on, essentially, hentai scenes, which is what interspecies reviewers certainly had. It had just full-on, straight-up, full-nudity sex scenes in it. I don't think this show's ever going to go to that level, but who knows? I wouldn't have thought that we'd have gone to tongue and ear so quickly, but... We did. Speaking of tongue and ear, going to Horimiya, the other show I've been watching, which is also a little spicy, this is a shoujo, which I've talked about in the past, that um, I've been really enjoying. It is about two characters. We have Hori and Miramura. That's where you get Horimiya. That's uh, the creative title I got right there. And they both leave, I guess you could say secret lives, where they both have a, a school public type of persona. And then while they're at home, or uh, by themselves, they have like their different type of personalities. And for this one, obviously the characters, we already halfway through the season, we already have our two main characters already in love, working through a relationship. And I have to say the last episode, not going into spoilers, was a little bit more spicy. I've, I've seen in my all the vanilla type of shojos I have seen um, in the past where you do have like definitely an off-camera explicit, like uh, make out or sex scene like one of those things where the camera just pans to the left and you're like oh yeah 
you know what's happening, uh, Watcher. You know what's happening. And just like a lot of um, really cute symbolism and talking. But again, a lot of biting too, apparently. I was like, oh, wow. This came out of nowhere, but I'm here all for it. Wow, okay. But uh, I'm liking what it's doing. It's definitely different, surprising me. And yeah, I just can't wait to see what the ending of this is going to be. Apparently, the manga has been going on for 10 years, and it's just ending recently. So I'm like, what has been happening this whole time? I figured this show is going to be for, you know, maybe one or two seasons. But apparently, there's a lot more to this relationship than meets the eye. So I'm here for it, and I can't wait. Should I give this a shot when Quintessential Quintuplets is over? I think you should give this one a shot. If I had to choose between this and Tomozaki, I would say to give this one a shot. Tomozaki honestly just does not sound interesting to me really at all. This one, the way you describe it, and we're getting into some more mature scenarios that maybe harken a little bit back to a little bit of some domestic girlfriend action. I'm, I'm, and I love domestic girlfriend. But it also just sounds like this is a more you know, sort of mature, grounded take. It sounds like these characters are a little more well-rounded than Tomozaki. From what you totally, one hundred percent, and it's done by Cloverworks, who apparently is putting in all the work to get all these shows done. Yeah, Cloverworks killing it right now. Still need to catch up on Promise Neverland, despite my promise a few episodes ago, and Wonder Egg Priority. Currently, my favorite show airing right now. Steve, I'm sad. Why are you heartbroken, Joe? What's happening? Talk to me. Steve, Talk I'm, to us. Talk I'm, to us. I'm just. I'm so sad. So, okay, you know, of course, everyone knows, of course, that I've. Uh, been reading Shibuya Goldfish. It's true. And it's been a great ride, and I love it. I've, I've, I've actually really come to, to surprisingly get really engrossed in where the hell this, this story is going. And, and kind of, I, I think there's some cool characters in there for sure. You may have mentioned I discovered this show because I stumbled across a news story, Volume 11, coming out, I believe, next month. I believe in March. And it will be the final volume of the series. So the series is coming to an end. I am currently currently just finished volume eight. So I've got volumes nine, ten, and eleven, Steve, to go. Steve, volume nine isn't available in English Whoa. yet until this May. So I now have to wait. Because I can't find, I've been searching around, can't find any just scans that people have made. Probably because Shibuya Goldfish, maybe not the most popular manga in the world. That's fine. That's okay. But now I have to wait to see what happens next in the story of Hajime and Elisa. I'm going to have to say, welcome to the real world where a lot of other people are in the same position where they got to wait. Or you can go my route and try and learn Japanese. So maybe in three or four years, you'll be able to read some Shibuya Goldfish. I have to imagine this is going to come out pretty quickly. I mean, if the ninth volume's coming out in May, I don't know when the eighth volume came out in English, but I, I don't think too long ago. So I, I feel like I won't have to wait too long. It's just, man, I was just so in on this ride, and I've been so addicted that now to put full pedal stop, I guess I'm going to have to get back to some, uh, oh, no, I, I know what I'm doing next for manga-wise, Steve. I'm going to start the Evangelion manga. Oh, you'll definitely have to tell me how that goes because there's going to be a lot of additional details that's probably left out in the anime. I've heard. I've heard the Evangelion manga just completely carves its own path and actually only ended, I believe, like two or three years ago. So it went on for a while past the show, obviously. So that's my next ride. But uh, Shibuya Goldfish, we're going to put you on pause for a second. Still loving you. They, they reconnected. 
Hajime found Elisa again. They're still trying to get this pathogen made to stop the goldfish. Uh, of course, all of the limb goldfish, they were, they were spewing out what seemed to be a black mist that was causing goldfish to explode out of people. Turns out, tiny nanomachine size goldfish that were going inside their mouths and nostrils uh, while they were unaware. Did... I'm forgetting his the name. The Sable? No. Hajime? Nan- not nanomachines. Solid Snake. Yes. Was this written by our Lord and Savior? No, unfortunately it was not. I would imagine if this was written by Hideo Kojima, oh boy, it would be even even wilder. But we do have some written words coming from Hideo Kojima Later this year, thanks to Viz's announcement that his book will be will be translated into English later on this year. I'm excited. I'll definitely be picking that up. Joe, how freaked out would you be if I bought you a, a few goldfish and put them in a bowl and left them in your room and you just walked in one day and suddenly there were goldfish there? As long as they don't start talking to me. Although there is there is a there is a character who seemingly uh, this old guy who seemingly was working for the goldfish. He had How like do you he work had, for goldfish. Well, when they're you know intelligent and possibly an alien species, uh, Steve, it's crazy. We've got a goldfish with hair on it. The one that had hair on it now, and it turns out these may be children that have turned into the goldfish. We're not a hundred percent sure. Keep us posted on the evolution of these goldfish. It seems like each each week we go further down the rabbit hole, and I am relieved it's ending but also wondering how it's going to end oh i have to know i cannot wait to see what the because we're totally building towards some revelation of this mystery and we'll see we'll find out hopefully maybe later this year but maybe next year so moving on to the weeb week that was all of the news fit for each week that we talk through for your entertainment the first item we have up here speaking of evangelion is Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 runtime and rating has leaked. According to the article from Anime News Network, the Japanese Film Classification and Rating Organization briefly posted the upcoming movie Thrice Upon a Time film on its listed of screenworks, although the film's January 18th is no longer listed as of Tuesday evening. According to the entry, the film will be reportedly two and a half hours long, with a G rating for all audiences. Now, before you think, like, how is Evangelion rated G? For you to know, the three previous films in the current Tetralogy were also rated G with runtimes of about an hour and a half, respectively. However, the 2020 edition of Neon Genesis Evangelion Death and Rebirth as up to two hours, six minutes longer than the original Thrice Upon a Time. So, Joe, a lot to unpack here. What are your first thoughts? A couple of things. Neon Genesis Death and Rebirth, the new 2020 edition of that, is 160 minutes? Where have I been sleeping on that? I've seen the original Death and Rebirth from, I think, around the same time that End of Evangelion came out. I seem to remember that only being like, maybe an hour and a half, so I'm I'm intrigued by that number. I'm also very intrigued by the fact that 3.0 plus 1.0 is 154 minutes long. I, I could not be happier 
that it is that long and I could not be more excited to see what the hell is going to be is going to be coming from this. I'm thrilled by that number. So thrilled that I will share some things in a second, but I'll I'll turn it back to you first. What are your thoughts on on this happening? Given that this is probably the last movie which has been reported as that such, I wouldn't be surprised if it's that long and it needs that much to wrap up given our current machinations we feel like there's going to be time travel involved or different timelines but i'm also find it funny about the g rating now i understand that different countries have different ratings but you know it takes me back to um the united states where we didn't have a pg-13 rating until i think like the the seven i think star wars or no it was temple of temple of temple of doom i was about to say indiana jones with the guy getting his ripped heart ripped out it's like yeah this is okay for kids whatever they can take it but um yeah well evangelion at first i read that i was like wait wait a second wait a second i remember like so many people dying getting shot in the head and things like that i'm like oh yeah yeah kids this this is fine but given the different types of ratings that each country has you know it does make sense but i'm all for it i want to see how this is going to end and give it all the time it needs because this is the last rodeo steve put your hat on oh boy are we we, we going into okay okay let me get let me get a chalkboard up here give it to me what are we what are we talking what are we dealing with get out the yarn let's make some predictions steve nothing nothing in evangelion happens by chance everything is for a reason we've known that since the original show came out can we agree on that everything has a reason every single now that's capitalized every type of program secret project name dead sea scrolls human instrumentality project adam everything has a purpose steve the number 154 what does it mean well the person expressing 154 energy has a powerful urge to explore new ideas and follow the viable ones. The person is often alone, generally by choice. They are self-reliant and seldom ask for help. The numerology energy represented by the number 154 is adventurous and tends to express a sense of personal freedom. The number 154 reduces to the single digit number 1. The energy represented by the number 1 resonates with self-determination, independence, and exploring new ways of doing things. Thus, the number five energy adds curiosity, wit, and expression of a personal sense of freedom, and the number four energy adds pragmatism, conscientiousness, and a focus on building a secure foundation for the future. Of course, the numbers one, five, and four, Steve, they also add up to ten. (laughs) And the exceptional power of the number 10 comes from the two most integral numbers in nature, 1 and 0. 1 is the start of everything in the world and a new beginning, and 0 represents infinity and all matter in the world. 0 and 1 in angel number 10 create the unit that represents honor, faith, self-confidence, and fame. Steve, there's no fucking chance that it is that it is by coincidence that 154 has so close of a relationship to 10 and all of those numbers have to do with like starting over and cycling back around and starting anew and trying to do things in a different way give it to me Hideaki Anno what (laughs) 
I was not prepared for this. Well, you know, looking at 154, this is also when Antonian's Wall back in 154 AD was completed. Most, most famously probably compared to Hadrian's Wall, these were the walls that were built to protect the Roman territories in England against uh, the barbarians, I guess you could say, which is really the Scots up at that time. Antonian's Wall, finished in 154, was abandoned in favor of Hadrian's Wall. So what does that mean? Is that all of this is being rebuilt and being abandoned so that it can be strengthened over time? We have to go back to the original project, Hadrian's Wall, and fix what was broken? I'm 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 willing to say yes. I'm willing I'm willing to stake my entire <laughs> reputation on this and say yes. That is a hundred percent what this all means. We cracked the code. You heard it here first. We got it. We got the theories. We got the rules, man. Yeah, I don't know. Something sparked in my brain where I was like, I wonder what that number means. I wonder if there's any meaning behind it. It can't be a coincidence, Hideakiano. Where is Toji? Give us Toji! Listeners, if our podcast cuts off randomly, that is because Hideakiano has sent his thugs to cut us off and kill the mic. We'll keep recording until that happens, though. We'll keep transisting until that happens. You can't stop us. We know the truth. Toji comes back. He's the key and his sister. So there was my wild ride on Evangelion this week. I think I think Shibuya Goldfish and Evangelion have broken my brain, Steve, but I'm I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I haven't had wouldn't have it any other way either. That's what Evangelion's all about. Moving on to our second story, visitors to Japan fell 98% in January down to 16th month in a row. This is from the Japan Times. The estimated number of foreign visitors to Japan plummeted 98% in January from a year earlier to 46,000, down from the 16th straight month after the country suspended entry of all non-residential foreign nationals during a surge of coronavirus cases, according to the tourism agency. Now, you know, I'm wondering, why do I have this story on here? The reason why is because I miss Japan so much and I cannot wait to get back there. Um, and I feel like this is something that is going to definitely affect the tourism industry and trying to portray Japan as a um, great place to visit on vacation. I know I had a great time when I was there two years ago. And Joe, I wanted to actually use this time to say, like, have you been to Japan before in the past? I think so. Yeah, I went about two and a half-ish years ago. I think I went just a few months before you did, actually. I went in August of 2018 is when I went. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely loved it. I had a I'd still by and, by and uh, far and away my favorite place that I've ever visited in the world. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous and just it's, could, was totally thrilled by literally everything I did there. So I'm not, I mean, I'm certainly not surprised to see this, that it has fallen so much. I would imagine tourism in literally every country in the world has fallen by almost 100% like this one has. 
I I'm right there with you though. This just makes me certainly all of last year. I was just like ah, the first year and it, it was the first year in a while I didn't do any traveling outside of the United States. So I definitely it's I'm I'm feeling the itch and I really want to get somewhere and certainly I want to go back to Japan. I only was in Tokyo uh, when I was there. I I really want to go back and see more of the country and and just take some time to like almost take like like a train maybe from the north to the south and see some spots like Sapporo and Hokkaido and Okinawa down in the south. I would, I would love to get to some more of those places. When you were in Tokyo, what places did you visit in Shibuya and Akihabara? Uh, Nerd Central, apparently, as you know, in Harajuku in uh, Japan. Shibuya, I honestly didn't spend too much time because I didn't really know. I went there really just on my first day and... Actually, no, one other time. I'll get to that in a second. I went there really on my first day. I didn't really go to any places there. Like, I didn't go to the 09 building because I just wasn't really aware of it. So I didn't see any of the sort of, like, famous shops that are there. I went to the Scramble. I walked around there a little bit. I went up into the Starbucks that's, like, right there that kind of overlooks the entire Scramble and just watched that for a second. That was really cool. I did revisit Shibuya randomly on a different night much later on in my trip because I it was one of the nights where I just didn't have anything planned. So I was like, I guess I don't really want to go back to my Airbnb. So I looked up. I remembered that the first My Hero Academia movie had come out. So I went and saw in a Japanese movie theater in Shibuya the first My Hero Academia movie. Still could not tell you what that movie is really about because, of course, it was in Japanese with no subtitles. It hadn't even been released in the United States yet, and I have yet to watch that movie again with subtitles. So I still don't really know what happens in that movie. That sounds like a great time and a great memory, too. I actually did go to the 109 building. Um, a lot of clothes, clothes shops there. That's not surprising. I just want to say, too, give my heart out to all of the attendants out in front who are kind of just using a microphone to like essentially bark out like sales like hey come please come here uh shop we have sales and whatnot because they got to be ruining their voices each and every day i'm sure there's techniques that you can try to preserve your voice but it was just 24 seven going when I was there and um, it was still cool, but definitely not close for me, but I had to visit it. Uh, other than that in Akihabara, definitely did the UFO catchers to try and get those prizes. They are rigged. Did not win anything at all. And I am determined when I go back next time to win at least one thing. So I can say that I did it and I conquered it. Kiryu Kazuma is able to do it in three tries in the Yakuza games. I got to get that good. Well, did you know, I didn't actually know this until recently, because I, I, I'll i talk about Akihabara in just a second. Uh, you can, if you like fail too many times and you spend a bunch of money trying, apparently you can just ask the attendant. You're like, hey, I've spent a bunch of money. Can you, and they'll, and you can just ask them to make it easier for you. And they'll literally like open it up and place the thing that you're, that you want in a location where you almost literally just cannot fail getting it. So they'll put it in a place where you can get it really easily. Well, it's like, it's like the pity, like, man, this guy's already spent his entire 401k just trying to get this one figure of uh, Yoko from Gurren Lagan. I think it's just that honor thing where it's like they want you to, you know, they want you to have a good time. They want the they want the customer to have the best experience possible. And if you walk away pissed off that you didn't get a you didn't get the toy you were looking for, then they don't they don't want that they don't want the customer to walk away with that feeling so i think it's more of a like yes we will we will 
give you the best experience that we can while still maintaining that air of like you gotta earn it you still have to play they're not gonna just open it up and grab it and hand it to you do you think they have to like notice you as you're doing the UFO catcher like sir I think you've had enough please let us come in it's, it's almost like a last call with a bar it's like you've had too much come on let's work something out let's just make it easier let's actually put the the grip strength a little bit uh higher so you'll be able to grab your figure you fucking weeb i'm curious to hear about what yeah what stores you went to in akihabara i went to of course a lot of the retro game stores and a lot of the anime and manga stores i definitely i went to super potato which is a well really well known retro video game store picked up a couple picked up some super famicom cartridges of chrono trigger and final fantasy 6 two of the best games ever made and then i also bought a cd for the ps1 version of the original Persona game. So I own those. But uh, I loved Animate. Animate? Animate? Not sure how to pronounce it. I think it's Animate. But I loved Animate, which is like a six-floor, massive anime and manga store. Loved that. Went to, of course, went to the at-home maid cafe. Highly recommended. If you're in Akihabara and you want to go to a maid cafe, at home is the place to go. Loved it. But where'd you go? I haven't heard too much about your Akihabara experience. So I definitely went through a lot of figure places throughout the entire strip. Um, I was definitely looking for, ironically, Valkyria Chronicles figures since they are so hard to find in the United States. And that's where I got that giant Silvaria Bliss one that's on my shelf that requires actually two stands to hold it up. How did you get that back? So I was smart and I brought an empty suitcase went to my trip to Japan because I knew I was going to load up with stuff. So that I recommend that for everyone to do. If you're going to go to Japan, bring two suitcases. One's going to be completely empty so you can have all the room for your souvenirs. Uh, I went to the Square Enix Cafe, which was uh, really cool. Um, had a lot of uh, original artwork and a lot of signed things. Uh, we definitely weren't able to sit down and actually enjoy the cafe, but I went to the store on the side. Um, I went to the Pokemon Center. Yeah, that was really cool, too. Um, obviously, a lot of plushies, a lot of um, shirts, paraphernalia, all that type of stuff that, you know, you would expect from the Pokemon Center. Um, I actually got some shirts and some cute um, uh, Eevee evolutions there. Uh, other than that, oh, I went to the Totoro Cafe, where they make little um, cakes in the shape of Totoro's and um they, you know it was delicious I felt bad actually eating the Totoro but I definitely had uh photos before I uh devoured it and trying to think of the other like stores that really point uh you know really uh, unique or stick out to me um other than 109 just a lot of almost any store you're just going down I mean it's really interesting how each one always is just trying to bring you in and entice you with all the colors and the type of um, people outside just trying to hawk their wares and bring you in. I went to an area that oh, went to a store that's had all of the capsule machines all lined up, and it was just for it seemed like miles, just so many, every single type of show, you name it, they had it right there. Uh, I was on a mission to find a few things for my friends. Um, one was interested in Street Fighter. Stuff which was surprisingly very hard to find, um, especially for Chung Lee. I, I I don't know I don't know why. And another one um, had to pick up the uh, the Final Fantasy 15 
um, novel book. Um, now, if you don't know what that is, it's essentially after the DLCs were canceled, they put all the stories into um, just a book, and I had to buy that for someone. So that was at the Square Enix store. That was very easy to find. And other than that, yeah, I mean, just tons of food in places. I know this is not going to be the first time we're going to talk about Japan and our experiences there, but yeah, what a wonderful place, and I can't wait to go back. I'll say one last, an RIP and a shout out. RIP to the Sega Akihabara cafe or arcade that closed. Huge, massive, massive arcade, like six floors, had been there forever, and it and it, it closed down due to COVID last year. RIP to that because I definitely went in there, played some rhythm games. Some people are absurd. If you are back in, if you are ever in Akihabara and you go to any of the arcades, because there are more than just this one that closed, go to the rhythm games and just watch people play the rhythm games, because some people are so absurdly good at these. I was was flabbergasting. Just flabbergasting. And then shout out, I would say, as much as all the nerd stuff appeals to us, my favorite things in Japan that I I urge would urge anyone to do, just go to the gardens. The gardens all around, there's so many gardens just tucked away inside of Tokyo that you usually have to pay, you know, like 100 yen, 200 yen to get into, um, which seems, you know, a little weird coming from America where we can just go into the parks. I don't think, I can't think of a park where you have to pay to go inside except for maybe national parks, but whatever. Um, But you just have to go inside these like small little public gardens and it's totally worth it. They're so beautiful and so gorgeous and it's so incredible to like feel like you're just disappearing into nature and you're just literally in the center of Tokyo. It's, yeah, that's that was my biggest, biggest wreck from Japan. Go to an onsen. They're so fun and relaxing. Do that too. The third story, you may remember, as this is a follow-up, to a story we talked about a couple weeks back. The Hunter Hunter anime has announced a new escape room for 2021. You may remember us talking about Megumi Han and Maria Ise, vo- both voice actors for Hunter Hunter. They are the voice actors for Gon and Killua, respectively. They teased their new recording on Twitter for That Project earlier this month, and we talked about that and theorized about that. Well, now we know what it is. From a company called Scrap, Scrap's Real Escape Game, Twitter account announced on Monday that the Hunter Hunter series is getting a new online escape room challenge, which will run from March 25th to June 27th. The Escape from the Shape-Shifting Labyrinth game features an original story about the Hunter exam, and it will feature entirely new voice recordings. Not what I, I, in all of our theorizing, escape room was never one of the things that we, uh, that we brought up. So very surprised by this. Been to the website. I'm intrigued by the fact that it is, it's an online escape room challenge, which implies that maybe you could do it anywhere in the world. The website is only in Japanese, so I have no idea what's going on in it, so I, I might need your expertise to help me out, but if it is possible, I think it's only like 20, 30 bucks to buy the kit. I would totally be down to do this. How disappointed are you? I never thought it was new anime, you know? Like, that's that was pie in the sky. I never thought that was coming. A new movie would have been exciting. Honestly... Honestly, I'm I'm honestly fine with it. I again, I don't I'm not expecting any like new actual story of Hunter Hunter anytime soon. So, whatever, 
Fun escape room. I love an escape room. I love escape rooms. What do you think this escape room is going to be? I guess there's like a, if it's online, maybe it's like a virtual component. I think they mail you a kit. So I think you have hard things to go off of. I don't know. Let me go on the website right now because the website does show kind of what you need, I think, in picture form. So I can at least maybe kind of suss this out. Yeah, 28 bucks. For the standard kit, I'm I'm willing to drop that money for sure. That's a that's a business expense, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All you need, it looks like it's it's you've got a camera and a phone. I think you need a Line account. So you someone someone the the purchaser probably needs a Line account for some reason. I don't know what the connection uh, would be there. Line, a social networking app essentially. That's primarily based in Asian countries, uh, a pen for writing stuff down, and it looks like a camera. Maybe it's like AR. Uh, maybe. Maybe. That'd be kind of cool if you're, like, just in your apartment, but, like, shining your camera on stuff and shining your your phone on stuff, and it transforms your apartment into this shape-shifting labyrinth. But I imagine there's a virtual component, and then you got to... You just got to figure it out. We'll keep you posted if we do this as a business expense. And I know on one of our first inaugural episodes of We Weekly, we actually posited on our own type of escape rooms of what they would look like. Wow, we did. (laughs) I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it's like the second episode. I'm actually looking at the, this is not the first time this has actually happened. If you look at the article, there was a escape from the hunter exam uh, one where passing the exam is the only way applicants can join the hunters association, but the exam's own location is mysterious. Just showing up to take the test is its own mission. Once the exam location is discovered, applicants are quickly down until one in 10,000 remains. Yeah. Maybe the whole thing is like, Hey, you got your ticket. You got to find your way to the hunter exam to even qualify. That's how it is in the show. I know, but th- I mean, you can you can totally do an escape room on that. Yeah. So it's got step one, step two, step three, step four pictures here. Step one, it shows a it says computer and phone or a city landscape. So I guess you can either do it virtually, or maybe there is an in location component if you're like in Japan, but maybe Tokyo. I don't know where this company is based out of so presumably just somewhere in japan step two it's got either a person at a computer or it also shows a camera and pen writing and doing stuff step three is literally just silhouettes of all the hunter hunter characters so i'm assuming that's like you playing the game and seeing your hunter hunter characters and then step four this might tie it back to what you just said is just the hunter logo essentially so presumably maybe yes step four is you becoming a hunter and getting your license that would be kind of cool if they say if they mail me a certificate that's like the joe reese hunter i'd be in on that put it on the resume what would you be a hunter of because you could really be a hunter of anything would you be a hunter of figurines? What's what? What would you be hunting? Because some people just hunt. They're gourmet hunters where they just hunt the best food. So you don't have to hunt like animals or people. You can hunt whatever you want. Mm. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of like is this going to be something selfish or something for something for good? 
because just hunting for the best pizza in New York City is definitely a reward on its own. But I feel like I would have squandered that. Yeah, it probably wouldn't last very long. I do like the idea of hunting for the best food. Make it more of a worldwide endeavor, and I'm I'm down for that. If I just get basically unlimited funding to travel the world and try the best food, absolutely. Sign me up. There could be worse tasks in life than to find the best food. Bobby Flay, watch out. I'm coming for your program. Well, should we talk about the Crunchyroll Anime Awards that happened this past weekend? We talked about the nominees a few weeks ago, but the awards have been announced. Definitely. I put this on here because I thought it would be great to revisit uh, who the winners were. Now, we don't have to go through all of them because we didn't go get through we didn't go through all of them um, last time. However, definitely some surprises I would love to get your feedback on. So if you already have the article open, we can just go through right now. And yeah, let's just do a recap of what's happened. So Crunchyroll, I think this is like the second time they've done this. And, you know, I definitely appreciate it because I, I do like how they nominated other shows that weren't part of their platform because I think that would be kind of weird. For example, our anime of 2020 was The Great Pretender, which was not on Crunchyroll. Um, And Crunchyroll, thankfully, had the foresight to actually include other shows, too, that are not on their platform. So let's take it away. I'm going to, starting from the top down, I'm going to skip through a few of them, uh, Joe, if that's all right with you. For sure. Okay. So let's first go up with best animation it's the second one down the the contenders were the great pretender of course has my heart got a high school beat stars princess connect redive apare raman and the winner keep your hands off ezukin what do you think of that best animation i gotta watch this damn show i neither of us i believe have watched this show but it has uh, it has had a lot of buzz behind it. I've seen some some glancing quick videos of it, and it does look absolutely gorgeous. I don't know how how familiar you are with it, but it it uh, it's about I think you described it. It's about them writing no, it's about them making an anime. Yep, it's about an animation studio essentially, and the show apparently, from what I saw, is constantly flipping animation styles like there's there's a part where it's very minimalistic it's like almost just like lines drawn on a paper not anything fleshed out but then of course you get the full-on fleshed out beautiful uh detailed animation that you would expect from really like any anime airing today so the way it just constantly is like seemingly reinventing and going through these different animation styles to show that creative process yeah it seems like it it seems like it's absolutely gorgeous i I gotta watch the show definitely on my list to watch Apparently, the New York Times loved it, too, and put it on one of their two watches. So, I mean, if it's good for them, then I'll have to watch it, too. I guess pour one out for Great Pretender. I thought it also had beautiful animation done by Studio Whip. But, you know, we all we all can't compare to them sometimes. Look, I mean, that's a, that's a tough category right there. I mean, you said Jujutsu Kaisen's in there. That's got stunning animation. God of High School. I think even I obviously loved it. You did not like it as much, but I think despite any faults you have with it, that show was was beautiful. Yes, it was very. It was the fights were were, were great and, and wonderfully animated, but this the story was bonkers. Sure. And then B Stars as well. I can't really speak to Princess Connect because I haven't seen any of that, but B Stars as well, a show that definitely is not up my alley, but I can recognize that it, it looked great 
especially because it's doing some really detailed 3D stuff that typically I'm not a fan of, but it looks pretty good in Beastars. What's the next one you want to take? We could go straight to the one that I think is going to be the most controversial, perhaps. Ooh. I guess we can do a quick one real quick. Best boy, Shoyo Hinata. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Best girl, Kaya Shinomiya. Not uh, surprising. Love her, too. Honestly, I don't know. I'm honestly a little, I am almost a little surprised by that. I guess there is a lot of, there is still a lot of buzz behind her, but I just would have thought maybe one of the new girls of the season, of the year, a girl that we hadn't been introduced to. But I guess Shoyo Hinata winning also kind of proves that point that maybe, again, you've got you've got longevity with these characters that makes people fall in love with them and, and really boost them up when they're voting. What controversy are you talking about? Best protagonist. Yeah. Like, really? I, okay, so let me get to, I need to get to this. So our nominees were Natsumi from Decadence, Katarina Kles from My Next Life as a Villainess, Yuji Itadori from Jujutsu Kaisen, Anos Voldegod from Misfit of Demon King Academy, and then Shoyo Hinata from Haikyuu. You're going to have to sell me here. Obviously, I haven't watched too much of the show. From what I've seen, though, I don't know. I, I don't think Katarina, Katarina Clays from My Next Life as a Villainous One, I don't really see her as a particularly interesting protagonist. <laughs> she seems like really any other isekai protagonist that would ever exist. I, I love this show. I have watched the entire first season. Can't wait for the second season. I am surprised, too, only because, you know, it does give an, it is, I think the entire reason why is that it has an interesting premise as an isekai. Now, I know what you're doing, you're in your car, you're rolling your eyes, like, Steven, an isekai with a unique type of theme, I've seen it before. This one is definitely unique, where it is her trapped in an otome game, and she is trying to figure out the best way to avoid her character dying, um, which happens in the main storyline, or being banished, which is essentially death since it's like, you know, she's not going to survive out there in the wilderness. Um, but with that said, I think it's because she is a very endearing character who is always trying to help out everyone she meets which everyone always is um, in this Atome game kind of on a different footing because she is the villain and it is seeming like is the villain trying to help me out and she is trying to flip those expectations. So you do have that interesting aspect with it and also her relationship with Maria Campbell who is the actual main character of the game which may actually be her best friend in it maybe they both were whisked away to this game um has a very loving relationship so i feel it's the strength of her unique circumstances and her endearing personality which caused her to be the best protagonist according to crunchyroll sorry hinata take you know take a seat we're going to Katerde class. Hey, I wasn't going to make the argument that Hinata should have been best protagonist, because when I think protagonist, sure, she's endearing, but leave that for, like, best girl, best boy. You know, like, that that's the category where you can be a feel a little more surface level. Protagonist, antagonist, I want to dig a little deeper. I want a character that's got a little bit of depth to them. 
And I got to go Itadori from Jujutsu Kaisen for this, where he he just has he's very endearing as well. He certainly is a person who wants to put good into the world, but he's constantly struggling with, first of all, on the outside, Sukuna, who did win best antagonist. And honestly, those characters are two sides of the same coin where he's constantly fighting against the evil that's trying to come out of him while trying to do that good in the world. I think I just think he has so much more depth of character than what I've seen of Katarina. I wonder if you want to put on your planning hat or your conspiracy hat, maybe Crunchyroll didn't want to have best protagonist and antagonist from the same show. So they went with, okay, who is the better of these two? And they gave it, you know, the antagonist to Jujutsu Kaisen and went back to the drawing board and went to see, like, okay, who else do we have left for uh, protagonists and say, all right, let's give it to this show, but maybe was their original runner-up. Well, you have to remind me, because I don't remember if this is the case or not. I know that, obviously, there was, as we were talking about the nominees a few weeks back, it was open voting, really, for whoever wanted to log on to Crunchyroll and, and vote in this. Is this entirely decided by those votes or does that just play a factor in it and then there are other factors like a more of a sort of overreaching judging committee from Crunchyroll as well very interesting I you can make a great point I'm going back right now to see how this was formulated because you're right if it is actually via um fan vote then only thing i could say is maybe there's just a ton of secret uh my next life as a villainous and maybe it was just on some type of reddit forum they're like yo we gotta pump up these votes get everyone get your grandma she doesn't know the show to put her make her an email put it in the vote to do that because if it was solely based on that i wouldn't see um katana class winning maybe so then yeah maybe there's maybe there's also i know there was a nominating committee that a bunch of different outlets and influencers and writers for outlets were a part of. Hit us up next year for that Crunchyroll, maybe. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if the actual voting on the winners was entirely decided by by the fan voting. It very well could have been. We'll never we'll never know. I mean, they're not going to re- re- release the vote because I only tie it back to the game awards. The game awards every year. That is how it works. Where there is a sort of panel of judges that that actually do a lot of the the choosing as well but there is the fan vote element to it as well and they all play into each other rather than just one or the other deciding deciding the winners so i don't know if this is i'm looking up right now how are the winners selected the winners will be selected after judges and fans have completed voting the winner of each category is the one that receives the most votes with a 70 30 weighted split between judges votes and fan votes judges will serve as a tiebreaker in the event of any tie so there you go there is a weighted system gotcha so it is more prevalent it, it does press more onto the um the judging panel side of things so the vote does factor in but it, it seems pretty not as much as as everything else so okay okay 70 30 wow that had to be heavily because i i would say jujitsu kaisen probably would have been running away since, as the grand finale, the anime of the year was Jujutsu Kaisen. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No surprise there. 
well, I guess a little bit of surprise there. <laughs> it wasn't our pick for uh, anime of the year, but certainly was up there for me. Certainly was up there for me. Uh, tough category, though. I mean, you got Jujutsu Kaisen up against Great Pretender. Our pick, of course, B-Stars, Apare Ranman, which I don't really know anything about. Dora Hedoro, which I've gone back and now watched, and I definitely see why it is in this category. I remember us being a little a little surprised by that, but no, that show kicks ass. Uh, and then keep your hands off, Isaacin. So that is that is a tough category. Good year for good year for some stuff there, but Jujutsu Kaisen is so popular right now. I mean, I saw the first episode, and it's just not for me. It's not my type of show, but I'm glad that everyone who's enjoying it that it's being so well received. I think it's I think it's scratching some of the same itches Demon Slayer did of just being an incredibly well told shonen, but I think it's I think it is doing some more some a little bit some different things and twisting on those on those tropes in a way that Demon Slayer is a little bit more still akin to. And I think that it just is, again, Jutsu Kaisen, I can't, you know, it's it's hearkening back to Yu Yu Hakusho kind of, kind of story of being set sort of in the real world, predominantly in the real world, with demons sort of coming into our world, which I guess Demon Slayer does too, but in a more modern day setting. And I just think we don't, uh, surprisingly, we don't see a lot of those stories, or at least none that I'm super familiar with, a lot of the shonen take place either, you know, way, way in the past or in a more fantastical world. So I, I think the real world setting of this does set it apart from other shonen as well, currently going. Well, with that, I have to congratulate the winners. I look forward to next year. And at the end of 2021, we'll have to actually redo this all again and really see what the anime of the year is going to be. Too soon to tell, though, because we're only in February. But stay tuned. We'll definitely have our own hot takes and our own personal winners, and we'll be able to share them all with you. I have a couple other things to say on this. I would shout out two other awards. Best Fight, Deku versus Overhaul, Dope-Ass Fight, that was a tough category, if I remember correctly. I think two God of High School fights were in that category. Yeah. Uh, but Deku versus Overhaul, well-deserved. That was that was a freaking phenomenal fight. Uh, and then best VA performance English went to Zeno Robinson as Hawks, who was awesome. He killed it. And Zeno Robinson, a person that I have only kind of recently been really following on Twitter, love his Twitter presence. He also gave a really dope-ass speech when he accepted the award. So if you haven't seen that, I would recommend you just look up Zeno Robinson Crunchyroll Crunchyroll Awards speech. I'm also surprised you did not shout out Nasa and Sukasa winning best couple. I mean, it was already a given, man. They are the cutest couple. Bullshit. You got Kazuya and Mizuhara out there. You had Shiragami. They haven't sealed the deal yet. Yeah, these people seal the deal in the first episode. (laughs) They do. They go all the way and get married. And every episode after that is a wonderful experience of what, when two people really love each other, what beautiful things that can sprout out from that. Now, Steve, we talked a lot about the awards, but that wasn't the only... Those weren't the only things that were happening during the Anime Awards. Crunchyroll also revealed five upcoming shows. Do you hear about any of these? I haven't yet, so give it to me. I think a few of them I may already know ahead of time, but 
What do you got? What do you got? Yes. So one of them we have already talked about. Crunchyroll revealed five upcoming shows that will debut on its streaming service in 2021. The first one up we have talked about before, Zombieland Saga Revenge. The follow-up to Zombieland Saga is coming. We've talked about that before and how it was unveiled in the greatest, the greatest announcement video ever. Um... I still got to go back and, and rewatch that show, but I know you're very excited for Zombie Land. Love Zombie it, Revenge. can't wait. So, uh, the other shows, we know we know less about the other two original anime since they're brand new. This is, by the way, from GameSpot. I I would like to mention. Uh, we know less about the other two original anime since they're brand new. Odd Taxi follows a solitary man who drives a taxi. That's all you get on that one. It looks like a. Um, something similar to Beastars, um, or brand, uh, brand new animal. Uh, it is a type of vein where it looks like everyone is different animals in it. Uh, I'm looking at the Crunchyroll post. The town should look familiar, but suddenly it's not. A taxi driver lives a very mundane life. He has no family, does not really hang out with others. He's an oddball. Um, and all of his patrons seem to be slightly odd themselves. So maybe it's just like an interesting thing. A taxi driver just going through, picking up random people, finding out their stories. I that's That would be right up my alley. Then we have Juron, the Princess of Snow and Blood, which is set in an alternate history Japan in 1931 about a woman who wants revenge against those who killed her family. Yeah, I'd love to see this. I am always down for a different type of historical type of period. And this one would actually be really interesting. Since 1931, you definitely already have in Japan during that time the ramp up of the Second Sino-Japanese War, um, which typically is not really covered in Japanese history, um, you know, in a, about World War II. But uh, with this, yeah, uh, Prince Tokugawa uh, is 94 years old and holds absolute control over Japan. Remnants of the Meiji era's culture can be seen around the city, but the scientific and techno- technology and the Japanese esoteric cosmology are also developing, ex- exuding a sense of modernity. Uh, yeah, definitely interested in seeing this. What is this about? Give me it. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I would, I would definitely be in for that show, checking that out. Crunchyroll is also airing two anime that are based on existing series. One that does sounds like nothing I will watch, and one that actually sounds very cool. I've been killing slimes for 300 yeah. years. Oh, boy. And Tokyo Revengers. So, I've been killing slimes is a comedy based fantasy about a woman reborn as an immortal witch who becomes incredibly powerful by killing weak slimes for centuries. Cool. Can't wait. Well, you watch that. Also, very similar to I maxed out my defense too by just like killing slimes or whatever. Can't wait. Yeah, it sounds very much like all those other shows. Tokyo Revengers, though, is an action-based story about a man who learns his ex-girlfriend was killed by a gang just before he sent back in time 12 years, deciding to join the gang in hopes of preventing her future murder. Fuck yeah, sign me up for that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I definitely will check out this one, too. I mean... Do we know who's actually animating this one? I have no idea. I don't, on the Crunchyroll post that you're on, does it give any more context does on Does not. Would love to see who's doing this. Let me look it up really quick on my own. We're doing some background research, friends. Stick with us. Stick with us. So Tokyo Revengers. I got Leiden Films. Leiden v- Films. Yeah, so it looks like this is a manga series that has been 
going for a while, 21 volumes starting in 2017, the, vo- the cover of the first volume, all these dudes look like freaking high school Yakuza punks from the 80s. That immediately hypes me up for this show. And yes, Leiden Films is making this. Let's see what else Leiden Films has done. I'm looking at a few which I have seen. Uh, I have seen, let me pull this up, Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka, which is nothing to write home about. Um, it was fine. <laughs> I see, yeah, I see them doing Terraformers. I gave that show a shot. I never finished it, but it was an interesting, I mean, it was a creepy-ass show about, like, giant ants on Mars. That was Yamada-kun and the Seven uh, Witches, I watched that. Akashic Records of Bastard Magic Instructor. I didn't watch that, but I know Alex did, and and he liked it. You did like that. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is very important. Berserk? Which, which one? Oh, no. It says the 2017 Berserk. Oh, no. Oh, Hanbao. Hanbao. Uh, that was that really well animated tennis. Or no, badminton. Badminton uh, anime. Uh, okay, okay. That's good. Before we actually leave this topic, uh, your your best friend, Zeno Robinson, guess who also he is doing the English voice for? I know this because I know some of... Oh, he's in Horamiya, isn't he? Um, and also, he is in, in Dungeon League I Can Enter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think they just announced no, that. Uh, Stadia or Stadia, whatever his name is. Oh, he's playing Noir. He's playing the main yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. He's oh, the main fantastic, character. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's fantastic. I believe he's in Horamiya. I don't think he's the main guy. I think he's one of the the friends. He's uh he's his best friend. Yeah. That guy's been that guy's been blowing up. He's been he's been everywhere recently. I think he's about to be in Attack on Titan. And what was his other? He had another role that. Oh, he's in Fire Force. Yes, he was the dude. He's the dude in Fire Force that travels with them on the Chinese Peninsula arc and like goes freaking ham and crazy and like gets those tattoos all over his body when he when he powers yeah, up. He's that dude. Him. Yeah, oh, he was in Akuma Drive too. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. He blew great. up this. He blew up this past year. He's been. I think Hawks really was the thing that that put him on the map. So cool to see him get recognized for that. Well, approximately. An hour before we started recording this episode, we did watch our Fate assignment for the week, which was episode five of Fate Grand Order Absolute Demonic Front Babylonia. <laughs> Take a shot for every syllable that's in that title. What were your thoughts? What were your thoughts on this episode, Steve? I mean, it's essentially a side quest episode. That's it. It's like, hey, I want to go. Uh, Gilgamesh is like, hey, I want to check out this observatory because I want to check on this water research I'm doing. Maybe I can drink salt water. I don't know. Gonna go over there and um, just talk about some stories and run into who's the villain they run into or the Enkidu. Enkidu, who's not really the uh, the original villain. It's more of a doppelganger. So a lot of times in Fate Go, just to give you some Fate Go backstory, uh, a lot of times in Fate Go, the villain is someone from that has some sort of bearing on whatever time period they're in or whatever world they're in. They've already died in the real world, quote unquote. Like they have di- their their life has ended. So usually the villain is some sort of twisted version of them that's been summoned through magic as a servant or what have you to essentially get up to some nefarious things. Like in France, the villain is a twisted version of Joan of Arc, and then you also meet a good version of Joan of Arc, and they've both been summoned after the historical Joan of Arc is dead. Same within the Rome Arc, where your final battle is... 
final the the main villain is Caesar Romulus can't remember I'll be perfectly honest but it's one of them and again it is someone who has died but has been summoned through magic so this is some sort of and we even got hints of that in this episode where he starts sort of having flashes of his of his real life it seems but this is I'm assuming a summoned version and a more twisted version of the original Enkidu. I mean, this episode, the first half was fine. I know I keep saying that too, but there really wasn't much happening. It was just them just uh, Gilgamesh with Mash and uh, Fujimaru just swapping stories and just talking about good governance, I guess you could say, in a monarchy. Uh, Gilgamesh just looking at his subjects. and I, But I will say the fight on the beach with Enkidu always gorgeously animated yeah it was dope dope to see Gilgamesh going full out summoning all of his weapons then we see all of the chains coming from Enkidu fighting with that yeah I mean it was cool I I mean I I always the real thing about this show that I always kind of wondered is that this is one of the few fake go arcs that's actually been full out animated as a as a tv show so I always kind of wondered how they explain any of the other fake ghost stuff, if it exists, or if they were just kind of like making this its own contained thing. And no, it was cool to see this episode. We got we got flashes of their time with Sir Francis Drake, a great, great, great character in Fake Go. And we got flashes in the credits of their time in France and Rome, and it looks like England, and it looks like the old, the Wild West, which I haven't gotten to yet, but that's awesome. But uh, yeah, it's, it was cool to see flashes of their of their other adventures, Mash and Fujimaru's other adventures as well. I can never get over the name Mash. Like, who in the drawing room decided, like, yes, let's give this our fe- our female protagonist name Mash. Like, Mashed Potatoes. That's always what I think of. She's awesome. I love Mash. Oh, yeah. She's, she's fine, but she's got a dumb name. She's got a dumb name. Well, anyway. Someday we'll find out what's really going on in this arc. I feel I feel like we've we've just been hopping around too much. It's cool. It's certainly a very cool very cool story. I'm a little especially this episode, we got a lot of Gilgamesh that I feel we haven't really gotten a ton of Gilgamesh in, in some other episodes. Really just like time to sit down with him. It seems like this this show really treats him as a benevolent ruler. A philosopher king. And, yeah, and he's very he's a, he has a seems seemingly has a very positive reception among all of the people that we see seeing him where they're like, "Oh my god, King Gilgamesh, he like interacts with some children briefly and like plays a game with them for a second and they seem like they're like, "Ah, oh, we love Gilgamesh." Um I prefer crazy ass wants to kill humanity, wants to lord over all of humanity super manipulative gilgamesh from fate zero and unlimited blade works there could be worse places to start the fate universe and i think this is okay i mean you get a little bit of taste of everything that's happening including some of the uh present world and caldera of um the characters there but are you ready to go for where the wheel of fate's gonna take us next always Give me, give me a, I want, I'm predicting, I'm going to make a prediction. Haven't had one in a while. I want a 12-minute comedic short. Give it to me. Um, there's not many left, uh, sir, on this list. But if you are not familiar, we are in the Wheel of Fate part of our podcast where we've been told that there is no good place to start fate. So we took that way too literally. And I have a spreadsheet with every single series, movie, short, on it and each and every week I roll a random number generator and we watch the episode and 
talk it out for your amusement. I have not seen any fate other than what has been happening on this uh, experiment. So, Wheel of Fate, turn, 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 let us know the episode we shall endure. Let me see. Ooh, what is number two? We're going back to Carnival Phantasm. Sorry, it's not a short. But that show was just 12-minute comedic oh, shorts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I, you know what I have? I, yeah, am yeah, I right, the right, Wheel right. of Fate? So, <laughs> you know what I have? I have some of the, sh- the anime film shorts at the bottom. That's where I was first looking at. But you right, are... you have some of the one-offs. But Carnival Phantasm is a show that is comprised only of, like, short comedic episodes. That is correct. What we saw last time was Final Deadlancer. We're going to keep this. Yeah, yeah, was. that was hey, that was funny. I laughed. We had that Yu Yu Hakusho reference. Loved that. So we're going to keep this going then because I just guessed that correctly. Remember a couple weeks ago where I said, give me a movie, and it gave me a movie? Mm-hmm. It's listening. So... I've. What do you think? I've already rolled the dice. I know what it is, but what do you what do you think it is? What number it is? Yeah. How many episodes are there? What's the number that you just put in? Thirteen. Five. No, we're at number ten. We are going to Lolly Reversion. Love it. Yes. Yes. Shiki is forced to take care of his sister after her personality reverts to that of a four-year-old. Kohaku creates stories based on Hisui's detective persona with comical results. Grail-kun? I have no idea. Any Grail-kun Grail mentions in there? Uh, no Grail-kun mentions, but stay tuned. There may be, be some Grail-kun in here. Now, if memory serves, we only found the other episode on YouTube. Is this entire show on YouTube? Um, if it is, then no one on YouTube, uh, no one at YouTube cares, and they're asleep at the wheel. All right, I'm, pu- I'm pulling this in right now. Carnival Phantasm. <laughs> Let's take Phantasm. a look. Carnival Phantasm episode ten. So far, there hasn't been a fate episode that we could not uh, find. Some of them, I had to put a VPN on. And- we got real close with Himura's seven <laughs> magical servants. Yeah. X Machina, whatever. And also the OVA episode of Prisma Ilya. That was a chore to find. How are we looking? How are we looking for this one? So I'm looking through here and I see someone watching and their reaction to it. If that's how we've got to watch it, that's how we've got to watch it. If that's how we have to watch it. Oh, live reactions. I'm seeing a lot of live reactions. I think we could find this. I don't think it's that hard. I think we'll find it. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. We've been in dire, we've been worse straits before. Well, of course, that brings us to. Our character creation lists of the waifu watch and the best boy bulletin. I, of course, brought Goku last week for the best boy list, and he wound up at the new number eight. Steve, I think it is your turn. So, who have you brought? Yeah. So, if you're not familiar with this segment, we have a waifu watch and best boy bulletin. We have been ranking all of the waifus and best boys that either are fan submitted or that we bring each and every week. And right now we got a list of about 15 for each one. And this week I'm bringing a best boy and I got a heavy hitter this time around. You think he's going to cut, you think he's going to take Yusuke's spot? I think he may take Yusuke's spot. Uh, You come at the King. You best not miss Steve. For this week, I am bringing none other than the Flame Alchemist, Roy Mustang. Touche. Touche, to us To review. Okay. <sighs> Roy Mustang 
if you are not familiar, and if you're not familiar with him, you've been living under a rock. He is the one of the military commanders of Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. He has his own signature style where he's able to make ignition throughout the air with his gloves, with his ignition sparks and gives him the moniker the flame alchemist one of the main characters and also one of our best uh otp pairings with riza hawkeye he is seen as a very self-absorbed and um shallow person but he is not only cocky but he is quick to take action when it appears that there is glory or military notoriety to be gained he is an expert manipulator but he also has a very soft spot for Risa Hawkeye and being able to help those who are in trouble. He has a very outward persona, very calculating, an exceptional tactician, well-versed in many types of um, combat theory, information gathering, covert operations. He's very uh, devoted to him and his to his team, loves dogs, and is definitely someone who is willing to protect those who he feels are in need of protecting. So, Roy Mustang, one of my favorite characters of all time, I first want to put him as number one, as the encapsulation of everything, and it is a best boy. What is your initial take on Roy Mustang? Above Recon, below Kanahamaru. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't have familiar... <laughs> Wow, I'll throw you off a bridge. Recon's at number 17, the very bottom of that. Oh, what are you doing? Are you trying to test my heart here? Steve, Roy Mustang may possibly be in the greatest scene in all of anime. One of them, and maybe we should do a topic that's just one of the best scenes in anime. Roy Mustang looks like it's starting to rain. Riza Hakai, but... It's not raining. Roy, yes it is. This is the rain. That might be the greatest scene in all of anime. And it just so encapsulates this guy who is very much portrayed initially as this macho military guy. We start to see more of his soft side, like yeah, when he's with the dog and when he just cannot control himself around the cuteness of this dog. But we really start to see the inner the inner workings of this guy. I mean, that that quote that I just read, that scene that I just read, spoilers for Full Metal Alchemist, it's when he's at the funeral of one of his best friends who died in the course of this this war that they're in. And he's a guy who's who's been through a lot. I mean, both him and Hawkeye were there during the during the Ishbal rebellion. So just but the way that he is initially just this total military man and we just continue to break him down throughout the course of the show we get to see inside of him get to see his feelings about things by the end of the show he's completely disillusioned and has left the military behind essentially just to, to stage a coup essentially and yeah just to get just get to see his point of view all of those things i have to be with you i have to admit that you finally brought someone Unlike the trash that is Spike Spiegel, you finally brought someone who gives Yusuke a run for his money. I got to go number one. Finally. But, no, Yusuke is also great, too. But the first thing that comes to mind 
with Roy Mustang. Not only do you have an excellent scene with him lamenting the death of his best friend, Mace Hughes, who will forever be in our hearts, but also his climactic battle with Lust. After all that she has put them through, he is there gripping his wounded, uh, chiseled abs, I have to say, with the lighter in his hand, and he's just like, burn, and just the lights are up and just goes on for like 30 seconds just attacking her. Um, it was it, it was such a amazing releasing a moment where how much pain that lust has caused to everyone and to finally have her come up it's amazing also just the first moment that i realized how different brotherhood was from the original we'd seen a little bit of deviation so far but i feel like that that happens pretty early on in the show like i'm saying in the first 20 episodes i want to say maybe maybe a little bit later but yeah the fact that like Lust is a character who almost becomes a sort of on the good guys team. She kind of has a realization in the original show, but that man, that moment where, yeah, she is just bad to the bone in brotherhood. And when Mustang, he just can't take anymore. He's just like, no, you don't, you don't get to live anymore. You don't deserve to live anymore. After all of the horrific acts that she's taking, just burns her to a crisp, man. What a freaking moment. So many great Roy Roy Mustang moments. You have a great memory. That happens in episode 19. I just remember it being so early on because I was shocked. Because lust, I just had to imagine since she was a main character throughout all of the original full metal alchemist. I assumed of course that she would, if even if her character is different, last through most of Brotherhood as well because she was a main character. But no, in like the first third of that show, she is, I think she's like the first major homunculus death in that show. We never see her again. She's just dead the rest of the show. It's freaking God, Full Metal Alchemist. And hopefully I will do him proud where he is on my cosplay list to eventually be maybe even one fifth of the man that he he turns out to be. Who is he voiced to? Uh, voiced as well in the English version. Oh, you know, it's your boy. It's your boy Travis Willingham, man. Oh, love Travis Willingham. I know he's so good, so so, so good. That's that's the role. That's his role for sure. He just he kills it. Again, Full Metal Alchemist, one of those shows where I prefer the dubs over the sub. It's true. So to recap, our top ten that we have, we have now Roy Mustang taking the top spot from Full Metal Alchemist. Number two, Yusuke from Yu Yu Hakusho. Number three, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop, Forever in Our Hearts. Number four, Kuwabara, also from Yu Hakusho. Number five, Gon from Hunter Hunter. Hide from Tokyo Duel at number six. And rounding out number seven, Ryuji Kaji from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Number eight, Kurama, also from Yu Hakusho. Go back in time, find that special episode. We had to rank all four of them and had to put them on our list. Number nine, which we brought back uh, last week, Goku from Dragon Ball. And number 10, Shoyo Hinata from Haikyuu, rounding out right there. I'm giving props right now because our top three, I, I feel like those are those are like the top tier. Roy Mustang, Yusuke, Spike, some of l- just the greatest characters in all, in all of anime. And, and the rest of this list is also filled with 
characters that we that we that we love so much but i do feel like there is a that top three is a little bit of a league apart so i'm just really proud of kuwabara for sticking there and at, at, at right there under spike spiegel we haven't really shifted kuwabara down much and god bless him love him i love that he's still staying Kuwa, near Kuwabara the top will of this never list. let you down the ultimate oh the ultimate him and hide the ultimate second character the ultimate best friend characters they'll forever be in our hearts but Next week, you'll be bringing a best girl, unless you would like to write in to our podcast at weebweeklypodcast at gmail.com. You can write in, give us a best girl, and we'll put it on the list and rank it for you. Other than that, as that does bring us to the end of another Weeb Weekly episode, Steve, where can people find you at? You can find me at SafePointCosplay on Instagram and at SafeCosplay on Twitter. You can see the photos I took of these soundtracks, which I just got in the mail. And you can find me at Joe Reese VO on all social media platforms. And now, of course, we come to our customary ending of Steve's Hot Take, where Steve gives you a nice spicy hot take with zero context and zero explanations, and that is just the end of the show. So, without further ado, Steve, what's your hot take? Not so much of a hard take, but also to kind of just get this out in the air. Gabby, Attack on Titan, no one likes you. Do everyone a favor and take a long walk off a short pier. Thank you and good night. (laughs) 